Welcome to the Creatio No-Code podcast, where we will discuss insights, tips, success stories, and how to leverage the no-code approach to transform business and deliver applications of any complexity. I'm your host, Jason Miller, head of pre-sales for Creatio here in the Americas. And today, we're going to talk about digital transformation. What is it all about? What do companies need to do to get started? And what's the most important things they should focus on? What are the main reasons why companies have transformation efforts fail? And today, I'm pleased to introduce today's guest, Isaac Sacklick, founder and president of Star CIO, and recognized as a top 100 social CIO blogger, industry speaker. Isaac is also an author of an Amazon bestseller, Driving Digital, The Leader's Guide to Business Transformation. Welcome, Isaac. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to talk about what makes transformation successful. Yeah, and a lot of people use digital transformation as a buzzword. And a lot of people have said that they're working down the path of digital transformation. But a lot of people, I think, have maybe different views or different understandings, right? Is cloud migration digital transformation? I think maybe partially. But the question really is, you're an expert in this area. What is digital transformation all about? Yeah, it's it's really looking at uh, business model and customer experiences and product through the lens of technology capabilities. If you look at any company today and what it needs to look like two or three years out, we know that the products and services are going to change, what markets we're serving which are going to change, what personas and customers we're looking to acquire are changing. And uh, the nature of com- competition is changing. So I, I mean, I got my background in uh, digital transformation working in media. That certainly has changed over the last two decades. Um, if you look at retail, that's changed over the last two decades. And if you look at the world post-COVID, uh, hospitals, uh, higher ed ed institutions, banks, insurance companies, everything that we're doing today is going to continue to evolve. And so um, that's what digital transformation is all about. It's really not about the technology itself. It's about what it enables, um, both from a product, customer experience, and employee experience side. And so, yes, when you look at any individual technology, I mean, why we invest in cloud, um, even while we invest in low and no code type of solutions, they're all about being able to deliver new capabilities faster with agility, with more competitive value. And that's why we're investing in these technologies as part of digital transformation programs. I think you hit on a couple of great points there. I think a lot of times executives think of digital transformation as things that are impacting the customer. I think you brought up a couple of great points. It's impacting products. It's impacting employees. Thinking about the great resignation and how we um, as executives think about employee satisfaction and employee engagement through various platforms. I think that's an interesting topic. One we're not necessarily going to touch on today, but I think it definitely showcases that digital transformation, like all things in the world today, is continuing to evolve to incorporate more things, more areas, and and touches more pieces of the business. So I think that's kind of insightful. And if we think about kind of that transformation journey that companies mm-hmm. start on and go on, from your perspective, where do companies get started? What are some of the most important things that they should focus on? Well, you focus on markets and customers first, right? Where is the industry leading me toward um, in terms of how I have to evolve to stay competitive? Um, I advise organizations to come up with vision statements. Um, these are typically one-page expressions that talk about 
who the customer is, what's the value proposition for them, you know, why are we thinking about doing something differently? So there's a, a lot of work that goes into aligning people's thoughts inside the company in terms of uh, <clears throat> where markets are going and what do we need to do differently to stay competitive. And then you start getting into some of the areas you discussed, right? How to how we bring more employees on board into the conversation, how are we getting their feedback, how are we making it easy for them to participate? I mean, I think that's a big part of what employee experience and hybrid working has done. Um, if our technologies are too hard to use, they're too cumbersome, they require too many steps. You know, our employees are, are tired. They're working very hard um, through all the work they have to do to just keep the lights on and keep the business running, plus participate in the transformations that we're asking to, them to be subject matter experts on. And technology plays a big role around that. If I have to click too many times, if it's too hard to use, if it's too slow, if I'm asking for information that an analytics or an, ML, or an AI or an ML can give me. These are all things that can enable us to do more and do smarter things efficiently. And so that's all part of the ingredients that drive transformation programs. That's really insightful. I appreciate that. I think a couple of things I picked up on in there, just thinking about it is not only do we have to have the vision, it's not just enough to be able to try to tactically execute your way through a strategy. It's important to have that vision and, and, and have a North Star, as a lot of people call it, on where you're trying to go. And that should inform your tactical decisions and how you're getting there. The other thing I picked up on is around um, how technology can help enable that. And let's let's talk about that for just a minute. So when we think about technology enablement, and it doesn't mm -hmm. matter, in my opinion, it doesn't matter whether we're talking employee facing, customer facing, or we're talking about product and uh, evangelist, it's always some way of making that job better and more informed, better uh, processes. Do you agree with that? Or, or do you see the technology enablement being slightly different? Well, so I think people get confused with two statements, right? Transformation is about transforming the business and experiences and being more competitive. But that doesn't mean technology isn't really important. In fact, it's critically important to pick technologies that integrate well right, that mm -hmm. allow bring data in and out of their systems that are easy to evolve. You know, we talk about in agile terms, let's get to the MVP, right? Let's get to customer experience. Let's get that feedback. But we know we're going to be doing versions 1.1 all the way to versions 9.9 very rapidly. And so we need really nimble platforms that allow us get voice of customer, think about what's strategic, go quickly implement things, get feedback and continue to evolve that. And I think, you know, from a, a node code perspective, you know, I've never been in an IT department that has enough people to service all the departments, all the applications, all the modernizations, all the integrations that I'm trying to do. Um, there's a lot of things that I can get out of SaaS, but there's also a lot of things that are truly proprietary in terms of the data I want to collect, in terms of the workflow that I'm trying to do. And, you know, quite frankly, I don't have enough people in IT to do all this stuff, but I also mm -hmm. need people outside of IT to say, look, we're the subject matter experts. We can build this workflow much more efficiently and faster, 
partnering with IT, being on hands-on with it, um, and using best practices that my IT group gives me in terms of naming conventions and testing and deploying. And so that partnership um, picked with the right platforms can really lead to a digital transformation that maybe is going 70 or 80 miles per hour instead of 30 or 40 miles per hour. So we're doing it faster and we're also doing it a lot smarter because we're able to integrate our data and our workflow with other tools that are part of our enterprise systems. Wow, there's so much to unpack there. And, and you mentioned so many great topics. And, and I know that in a future podcast, we're going to sit down with uh, Burley Kawasaki, who is the co-author of the No-Code Playbook. And we're going to talk about some of those exact things, right? How to drive speed in delivery, how to even get to an everyday delivery methodology. And to your point, taking on those additional folks, having a fusion team, having additional players, those subject matter experts that have some technical acumen participate in that development exercise and help accelerate the delivery to bring that better experience, whether that be customer facing, employee facing. I, I think that's that's revolutionary as far as where we're going from a technology standpoint. But the other thing that I think that you brought up that is, I think, crucial, and everybody understands it, and it, it is worth saying time and time again, is you need mm -hmm. systems that are flexible. You need systems that can integrate easily. Um, I think one of the one of the challenges that a lot of uh, C level folks face, especially on the on the CIO part or CTO part, is I've got a lot of legacy systems, right? I've got a lot of technology debt that's out there. Mm -hmm. So, from your experience as 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 a as a CIO or a CTO that's looking at a lot of technology debt, what are some of those first things that you think they should be thinking about for how can I unwind some of the 20, 30, 40 years worth of legacy debt that I've got in front of me? Well, when you look at, you know, our legacy, we're always building new things and they eventually become things that we have to support. Mm -hmm. um, so the question, first question is, is when you look at your portfolio, you know, when you think about where transformation is taking the organization, the last thing you really want to do is say, I'm going to lift and shift 30, 40 applications, put a mm -hmm. nice, you know, a nice UI on it. Maybe it operates a little bit faster. Maybe it's easier to work with the mobile experience, but I just transitioned that workflow. I didn't transform it. I'm just doing the same thing a little bit more efficiently. When we talk about transformation, we're talking about going from all the way from how we sell our product, how we market it, you know, what that product is and how it's quickly evolving, how we're supporting it once it's out in market, how we're bringing mm -hmm. feedback from all those constituents back to the entire organization, what analytics we're capturing around it. And th those are not things that we were doing five or 10 years ago. I mean, we were doing it in little bits and pieces with point solutions that, you know, gave us a little bit of the analytics and so forth. But now I want the entire organization to look at this information and say, okay, we are developing consensus about some of the things that we need to do differently. So that's when I think about what we're doing in transformation, it's all about bringing those ecosystems together. And when I think about tech debt, you know, when I say, okay, I'm going to do all this, I'm going to start picking platforms out, you know, how am I going to avoid creating the next set of technical debt? That's really where a lot of the no code and integration comes in. I look at the level of expression I have to do to accomplish something in technology. And I talk about that in my, in my recent book, you know, Digital Trailblazer. So one technology, thousands of lines of code to generate a bar chart that looked like Lotus 123 from 25 years ago. Okay, thousands of lines of code. Why? Because that platform was giving me tons of flexibility, but at a huge cost. 
right? Mm -hmm. I had to really develop a lot of code to be able to support something that the business was asking me to do. And yes, I equate thousands of lines of code with larger amounts of tech debt to support later on. Right. I, somebody's got to read all that code, understand it. I got to have testing strategies around it. I have to have documentation around it. Now I go to a no code platform and maybe that thousands of lines of code is completely built using visual paradigms. Maybe it's self-documenting. Uh, it's easy to update uh, very quickly and test those update. I can sandbox some of the testing to see uh, what's working out there. These are some of the things I'm looking to do. And, uh, you know, there's, you know, CIOs who haven't seen it before need to get involved looking underneath the hood of no-code technologies and see what it does differently than the world that we grew up in, which is very code-heavy, very uh, integration-heavy, and quite frankly, for a lot of things that we're doing today, slowing us down. Um, so it's going to create a new paradigm for us when we pick platforms that support the velocity that our business is asking us to execute to. When you think about that, that thousands lines of code, what language is it in? Was it in a second gen language, a third gen language? I mean, we're even moving into fourth gen languages now, and it's 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 amazing even how much you know still second gen language is sitting out there. So there's still Fortran and COBOL in in businesses that are multi billion dollar businesses. I gotta be it's, Jason. I'm I'm more afraid of the thousands of lines of JavaScript code that are out there. Yeah. Right? You know, and running on different frameworks and they're very powerful. They're very mm -hmm. useful for doing some things when, you know, selected from your architecture to do the right things that you needed to do. But if I'm doing basic things really well, if I'm doing even more advanced things, 10 years ago, I was building customer facing applications with no code technologies that I didn't need a army of developers to go work with me. I, you know, I probably was doing it with a third the number of people because we were getting a lot of the capabilities from our no-code platform. When I needed yeah. to integrate um, sales and marketing in it, we didn't go and create proprietary ways of doing this. We created a way of selling the product that had visibility end-to-end -end in terms of how the product was marketed, sold, and supported, along with the data that was being used within the product. And that's what gave us efficiency is that when we said, you know what, we need to evolve the product every month, just like a software company, but I can't afford what Google and Facebook and Netflix invest in their software. Yep. I, I'm not big enough. You know, I need to do this much more nimbly. And that's where a lot of the no-code paradigms enable organizations to do a lot more faster and smarter than others. Well, I think that brings up a, a really good point, right? Because a lot of, I think a lot of organizations found their way into becoming IT organizations, even if they were product companies, right? They were CPG companies or they were manufacturing companies, but because they wanted to build their own e-commerce sites, they wanted to build their own, uh, you know, B2B sales processes, the problem with that is they ended up building themselves into a lot of technology debt. And now they find themselves so far behind the eight ball. And now they feel like they're trying to figure their way out. And do I choose a, a SaaS package? Do I choose a no code package? Do I try to build my own way out of it? And and they're stuck with this. And that's where this digital transformation journey comes in. And, and we've talked a lot about how no code can help enable those things. But if we think about it, it's not just from... Uh, magnitude and scale. It's also around the flexibility and agility, which we talked about. So knowing those things, what are some of the other reasons that you think uh, executives should think about bringing in no-code technologies to really help enable that digital transformation? Well, I mean, you talk about how we bring vision to an early stage reality, 
right? And that vision I said is a one-page template. And if you don't go down the kind of traditional, you know, product development engineering path, you know, I got to get in front of customers and learn what they want. I got to have somebody write up wireframes. I have to have somebody else write up requirements for me. That's got to get translated into an agile template so that, you know, my agile teams are now iterating and, and improving on it. Now my agile teams are doing things in code environments. I got to build the code. I got to build the testing. I got to build all the DevOps around it, you know, and, you know, somewhere in there, hopefully I'm collecting all the data I need to make sense of how this thing is performing and what people are using with it. Uh, what's the journey around this? I got to do a lot of work, um, even to do the most simple first stage prototype, but there's just a lot of overhead around that. Mm -hmm. And so you start looking at, you know, how do I, how do I cheat, right? How do I circumvent a lot of that work when I want to do something at small scale to start that I know will enable me to evolve and scale it as I go forward? And so uh, instead of a wireframe, instead of a set of requirements, I'm bringing a no-code platform in, sitting with some stakeholders, sitting with some customers, listening and building something in real time and letting yep. them see what that looks like. And then I'm going to go pilot it and let 20, 30 people use it and getting that experience folded into my development process. And then, yes, I'm going to use my IT shop. My IT shop's going to come in and make sure I'm collecting data in a consistent way that when I need to integrate with other platforms, I can do that well. So it's, yes, that multidisciplinary team, what you call a fusion team, I will mm -hmm. use more traditional language and say it's multidisciplinary. It's going to have agile developers on it at times, but it's going to have a lot of work being done by our subject matter experts. It's going to have my data scientists involved so that they can actually build visualization around it as we scale and learn how things are operating. You know, I'm adding all the additional capability once I know the experience is working for me. Once I know that I can sell and market to it, once I know what the customer support issues to it. So I'm taking something really simple, bringing it to market, using very uh, elegant and very easy to use tools, and then scaling it as, I, as uh, I'm seeing success from it. Yeah, and, and you talk of exactly what about, or you talk about what exactly Catherine and Burley, when they wrote the book, talk about prototyped MVP, the ability mm. to deliver in real time that 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 wireframe of an application right and it could be even that that smallest piece of it in which you're going to iterate around and help help accelerate that you know everyday delivery so i think that's a great topic mm -hmm. but you know i've just got a few minutes left here but i want to ask you one more really important question and it's one that always comes up when you talk about digital transformation why do companies fail when it comes to digital transformation okay well, i have two answers for you uh fail first is because they don't start OK, you know, they look at this and saying it's not hitting my company. It's not mm -hmm. hitting my industry. Um, my profits, my, my customers like my prof products. You know, we're highly profitable. Um, we have loads of other issues to deal with, whether it's compliance, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's getting more operationally efficient, you know. And, you know, the truth is, like in different industries, um, the the disruption factor is happening at different times and at different scales and time lengths. Uh, but I don't believe it's not going to be that industries are immune to it. I've spoken to higher ed companies, uh, institutions and said, look, COVID was your wake up call, right? You know, the, the idea of doing virtual classrooms didn't work during COVID for all the reasons that we know that in-person learning is important. 
But you got to tell me that there isn't the right balance that higher ed institutions need to figure out over the next te- decade. Same thing with hospitals. You know, you take a hospital, uh, telehealth uh, mm. in early stages in, you know, we're not doing this here. All the compliance factors had to switch gears really quickly because of, of the pandemic. And now I talk to hospitals about customer ex- uh, a patient experience and making life easier for doctors and nurses. And how do we become more data driven uh, and not just finding ways to cut admin costs? So it's number one, I think, is just this notion that it's not important for my organization. I think number two is when you talk about you know, what makes them successful, right? We got buy-in, we got some dollars to go invest in this. You know, we have a CIO and a CMO uh, partnering in terms of what the transformation looks like. You know, the real transformation has to be bottom-up. Um, I have a post on this and a video around this. The number one digital transformations fail is we create the deck that everybody aligns to, and then CIOs go back into their office or CMOs go back into their office. They fail to realize that engaging the staff and how they should participate, how they should show up to enable a transformation. And what, what does that look like in practice? I might be somebody in sales who knows exactly end-to-end how customers are buying our products today. That person in sales needs to help me understand that, right? What does our sales process look like today? And then eventually learn, right? Learn what are the new products? What are the new uh, systems that we're going to have in place to to enable this? What are buyers looking for differently than in the new product than than they were selling in the old product? That's a transformation is a bottom-up transformation in terms of how we're evolving. Um, What are some of the ways we're performing people, uh, how we're measuring performance differently than we were in the past? It's not just an operational OKR. Uh, We're thinking about growth and we're thinking about finding and attracting customers that are profitable for us. How do we get that information uh, to our staff and how do we build processes up that uh, fulfill that? So it's, you know, if I can't engage the staff as participating, sharing information, joining agile teams, becoming more um, business, developing their business acumen on the technical side, but on the business side, building their technical acumen so that they can actually work with no code tools and work with data and work with analytics to evolve how we're offering uh, new products and services. That's, that's what digital transformation is all about. And what I tell people just to close out, um, we'll have a, a view of what transformation looks like in our organizations that maybe takes us two or three years out. And then mm-hmm. in two or three years out, we're going to do this again. You know, if you look back 2019, no visibility into a pandemic, into hybrid working, into supply chain issues, whether or not we're going to hit a recession or not. Now that's what we're, we're coming off of parts of that. We're looking into the future about what the economy looks like and what supply chain looks like, what employee experiences look like. And in three years, I don't know, maybe we'll be talking about Web3 and the metaverse and how that's changing our products and services. So we will always be transforming. That means a different way we're showing up, working with the staff. That means we we need to have the right technologies in place to now enable us to continue to transform as a as an organization. Yeah, I, I think if you went back to before the pandemic and you'd asked them what was the next major disruptor in technology, a lot of companies would have said it would have been the meta, right? But you never Maybe. know what's out in front of you. You never know what's going to be out in front of you. And, and you know, I think that that's one of the things that when you think about flexibility that you, you need to be ready for anything and and having that stakeholder engagement throughout that process and buy-in like you talked about is absolutely crucial 
Isaac, we've come to the end of our time. My friend, it has been a pleasure to have you on our show. For those of you who are watching us on the video, uh, please don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more. And for those of you who are listening on your favorite platform, we hope you've enjoyed our time together today. Check out our previous episodes on various platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and many more. And to get more information about our products and services, visit our website at www.creatio.com for more insights and upcoming no-code events. We look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you very much.